once again. This is Nuance. Now Mike Scala joined as always by Jay Carter, also known as Timid, the hip hop MC and the chair of BLM Tokyo. What's going on, Jay? Oh, nothing much, man. Just, uh, you know, again, it's a cold morning. That time of year is coming. So um, you can see I got, I got the hoodie and the jacket on. Actually, I was just out, so I was just returning home. So yeah. Early morning walk? Um, something like that. Um, you know, I've been getting doing a little bit of early morning things recently. I taught a, a Qigong class the other day, an early morning Qigong class out in the park. I don't think there's enough time to do it again this year because uh, it was a little chilly. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the leaves are definitely turning here in New York, although I got to say it was nice out earlier today. Uh, yeah, afternoon gets to be, you know, gets to be nice. So... Yeah, so we're getting a ton of messages, all this uh, breaking news here, which I guess we can get into in a bit. We've got some guests, at least one guest who should be joining us soon. We've been talking about the elections coming up. Actually, early voting has begun in New York. I voted early already, but election day is a week from today, officially. And so we'll see how things turn out next Tuesday. We could have a whole different landscape around the country or in New York, or possibly not. We'll get into that. I did want to start off by mentioning a mysterious message that I received. Let me pull this up here because it was someone claiming to be a psychic medium. Now, the message was tile work, T-I-L-E-W-O-R-K, tile work. And when I inquired about it, they said, your first love, music. I'm a psychic medium, listen to more music. I am a writer, I prefer to write Sometimes speaking cryptic is easier than saying, hey, I'm a psychic. I can give you free help. We are alive. Feel me. So apparently, oh, and then they said, remember the name. So apparently if I listen to more music, the name Tile Work will come up. I'm not sure what that's getting at. Something will be revealed to you. Very odd. I hope you weren't the one behind this, Jay. Um, I cannot confirm nor deny. Tile work. Can't confirm nor deny that that uh, had anything to do with me. Hmm. Maybe that's a Wheel of Fortune clue. Maybe I got to get my Vanna White on, turn these tiles around. Or Jeopardy. Uh, what is... <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. Who knows, maybe in like five years, something's going to happen and you're going to be like, oh, my God. I'm here doing towel work while rapping. Like, what's going on? Yeah, right. I was trying to figure out how those things could possibly be related. I mean, what I got out of it was if I listen to more music, it will reveal itself to me in some way, shape, right. or form. But towel work, right? That's an odd thing. Yeah, why not just outright say what it was that you saw or whatever it was? Just be clear about it. All right, we're going to have to discuss this Eric Ulrich thing in a minute because I'm, I'm as we speak, I'm getting a ton of messages from all different people about it, just so you guys know. That's why I'm looking at my phone. I'm being bombarded with messages on this breaking story. We'll get to it. But why don't we keep on this tile work topic, Jay? <laughs> have you ever been hit up by anyone claiming to be a psychic or anything like that? Not a psychic. Um, I did get, um, I've gotten some strange comments. Um, actually, on, on the... Um, 
Let Freedom Ring video um, had some kind of a, a a weird comment, something about the powers that be are are, are watching you or something like that. Um, and then I noticed on Twitter someone had put me in um, in the name of a Twitter group called um, the End Times, but the 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 first word in that was I think a biblical word. And and I don't remember how it goes. It was something beginning with an E in in the in the scroll or something like that. I don't know. Well, on the Let Freedom Ring video, I could see that comment because that kind of relates to the content of the song, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought it was. I mean, it was just it's still a weird comment. I mean, it wasn't yeah. really. Yeah. Well, this was unsolicited. I didn't go out seeking a psychic, but like I said, I got this message from someone claiming to be one, saying tile work. Might have got, uh, you know, you might have got a free reading there. Yeah. Or maybe it's an attempt to sell their services. Maybe they go around selling that phrase to everybody. Could you imagine that? That's their scam or their hustle, I should say. Tile work, tile work, tile work to everybody. And then people get so intrigued, they're like, I've got to pay this person to find out what they're talking about. That's possible too. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Anyone out there, have you any experiences with this kind of thing? I know some people just don't believe in it or just, you know, they're against it outright. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's crazy. Anyway, earlier today, I did have an interview with the New York Times, which I thought was good. It was about the Queen's Link issue. And recently on social media, I mentioned that Local media outlets have been covering the topic. And, you know, we did the big rally this month. We got good coverage in The Wave, the Rockaway Times, the Queens Chronicle, Queens Gazette, a bunch of local papers. So it was good to have the New York Times reach out and want to do a story on it. They're covering the larger issue of what's happening with the right of way, right? The mayor announced 3.5 million to the park. You've got the rail advocates on the other side, what's going on. So it's gonna be, I guess, a big story about the whole thing, everything happening with it. And they wanted to get our point of view. So they did a nice uh, photo shoot. They got me looking all stern by the tracks. And I thought it was a good interview. You know, I was kind of hoping that we would have had people representing our group who were daily commuters on the subway. I'm fortunate enough to be an attorney and I work from home most of the time. I've got a car even, which unfortunately is really necessary in this part of town, but we'll see, you know, we'll see. You get Every time I do the New York Times, I want to make sure the story comes out just right because it's the New York Times. I remember last time there was a New York Times story, I had campaign consultants calling them, making sure they got everything right. It's the New York Times. We want to make sure that things aren't misrepresented or people don't get a false perception of the story. So- Absolutely. You know, I, I do sometimes think about that, like, man, maybe it would have been better to have someone representing the Queen's Link who actually rides the subway every day and can talk, talk, you know, tell them about their woes, as opposed to me, who's maybe, you know, not exactly in that position, but nonetheless would benefit from it. And also, and this is kind of the, the point I was trying to make, it would benefit the whole community, it would benefit all of South Queens, it would benefit all of New York City. So it wasn't about me, but, you know, sometimes they try to make things more personal and kind of get that personal touch so that was the only thing right. me, me being an overthinker and thinking oh man that would have been made it all perfect but um you know i did what i could to represent our side and talk about how this is needed and hopefully it turns out to be a good article yeah that sounds that's that's always a good thing um yeah i think with media you want to try to be careful how they you know 
you never know how they're going to run with it later when they go through and edit it, what parts they're going to keep, what they're going to cut out, like what what direction they're trying to push the the narrative in instead of just just taking what was said. It's like there's a, there's a certain idea that goes into behind the story. Right. Right. Um, I think that's I remember um, when I used to do a lot of uh, interviews um in you know music interviews and um i remember asking people what would they prefer if it was um written down or if it was just the the, the raw of it more people preferred to see the raw interviews just all of it and maybe that's you know because they didn't want any slant or whatever i don't know but maybe you know, maybe people just wanted to make sure yeah like all of their words got out so it wasn't yeah out of their <laughs> control as to what was presented because it's easy to take things out of context or even just cherry pick things, right? Oh yeah, with text, definitely. Yeah. Because you can say something, you can say something verbally, and there's different, there's tone and emphasis that change the meaning a little bit. Whereas in text, you have to infer it from either your own biases or from what's written around it, and things can be misconstrued. Right, right. You know, and the reporter, I think, was very interested in the issue and really wanted to cover it fairly. I do think it would be a great article. But, um, you know, you just have, at least me, I'd be, because I've been around this world, not just media, but, you know, politics and everything, you start to look at things critically or maybe maybe even overthink things. But I think you need to do that to a certain extent in this field. Right. But, you know, I start to think about, all right, like the reporter was asking, do I live in an apartment or a house? And that came up. I'm thinking, all right, but what is going to be the relevance of that in the article? Is it going to be like, oh, here's here's a guy who lives in a nice house and drives a nice car. He's a lawyer and he's the one fighting for this train. Like that spin could be right. put on it if they wanted to make us look bad, which I don't think they want to do. But you start to right. think about all these different things. Right. Right. But I think that I mean, it sounds like it's, um, you know, it was a good experience and um, it could be beneficial for, you know, the the fight and, you know, bringing bringing some light on on what's going on. And um bringing that to a wider readership or wider viewership. Yes, absolutely. And that's really been our objective with this. We said that too much of this decision has been happening behind closed doors. Let's bring this to the public. Let's put it more in the public spotlight. I even mentioned to the reporter when I ran my campaign in 2017 and even in 2021, the Rockway Beach Line, Queensrail, Queenslink, that was really a major component of the campaign. And that was about bringing it to the people and giving the people really the option to vote on it, right? If I'm carrying this issue to the ballot, then in effect, they have a choice to vote for it because they know that if I get elected, I'm going to fight for that issue. So it's like, right. let's put it to the people. Let's ask the people, let's notify the people that this is what we're fighting for. See what they think. Let's get their input and see, you know, see, see what they want to do with it. Um, right. She asked me even, why did you choose to make that such a, a focal point of your campaigns? And I said, because it's really about South Queens being cut off from the rest of the city. So it's not only about transportation and it's not only about you know, leisure. It would be nice to get to the beach faster. That's not what this is about. This is about economic development. This is about infrastructure. This is about opportunities, about all of these things. South Queens gets the short end of the stick because we're so disconnected and there's no north-south connectivity to the rest of the borough and to the rest of the city. Even our airport, JFK, we've talked about this. JFK is in Southeast Queens. Why is New York City the only major city in the country with no direct link from its airport to the center of the city, in our case, Midtown Manhattan? How much is that costing us in economic development or even revenues, direct revenues every year? And so we're really shooting ourselves in the foot by not having this line. And it is coming to the detriment of us in South Queens, especially. And that's why I make it an issue. I mean, this is not happening in a vacuum. You improve transportation and you do this in particular. 
you're improving the economy, you're improving uh, infrastructure, healthcare options, you're improving even uh, you know public safety to a certain extent. I know some someone once on Twitter kind of uh, called me out for saying, you know, how could you tie transportation to public safety? Because it doesn't happen in a vacuum. It, this is about prosperity overall. If you right. improve economic development and opportunity, yeah, you're going to have a more prosperous city and that's going to affect public safety and crime. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So all of it. I think that's, that's kind of uh, one problem is when people try to um, deal with these issues in a vacuum um, because then it's going to be kind of half measures because you're only focused on one point of it instead of seeing that, okay, there are different things that are connected to this that also contribute to whatever it is that we're trying to work towards. So that's like in the comments, we got um, someone answering the, um, the question, the title question, what is your major issue? And they said straight out crime, mm. watching the revolving door where criminals go in and out. And then I responded that they, we shouldn't have that revolving door in government. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, it looks like it's going to be one of the biggest issues, you know, or at least the first response that we get here. So, yeah, so I do want to get to that in a second. I just got a message here. Let's see. Paul says, "Yeah, you got to mention mention the Ulrich thing." Apparently, people are coming. Apparently, for we we apparently do. <laughs> uh, Paul Trust just sent a group message about the, the Queen's Gazette doing a piece called uh, "Transit Equity Starts with Queen's Link." So they're coming out in favor of the Queen's Link. So this is good. Like we said, we're getting a lot of coverage, a lot of attention on the issue, and I believe we are seeing what I just what I said we would see, which is you present this issue to the public to the masses and most people are going to say transit makes the most sense here not against parks we can build a beautiful park but how are we even going to get to that park without transportation i mean that really takes precedence here and we need to make sure that's preserved absolutely absolutely what is this could i unpack uh, jose wants to me to unpack what i mean by we shouldn't have a revolving door in government i mean yeah, I mean, we, we've it's been talked about before where you get um, uh, people that work in private industry uh, and then go into government over areas where they were working in or vice versa, people that were in, in these government positions and then go into private industry uh, into executive positions in the field where they were previously supposed to be regulated. And so you get a lot of... Uh, you know, handshaking and things that go on. Um, personally, I don't think you should be able to to work in private industry going from the government um, into something that you were regu regulating previously. Um, I think the people lose out in that regard and there's a potential for too much corruption um, in there. Right, so when you say a revolving door, you're talking about going from government to that private industry, back, maybe, maybe even back into government. Yeah, any of that stuff. Yeah, we, we saw that a lot with, with you know, no one talks about a lot these days, but like with Monsanto um, and, and, you know, there were people going from the corporate to to the government positions like at the uh, FDA and then the FDA head went to the, become the head of Monsanto and like, there's no, no way to actually accurately um, enforce the regulations that we're supposed to be doing on you know, for food safety, if you've got that conflict of interest, you know, that handshake can go on. 
Yeah, that's What's why they have in place, like, um, after you leave Congress, you can't lobby for a certain amount of time and that kind of stuff. There should be. I think there should be. I don't know if there are. They, no, there are, there are those kinds of rules, but they're probably not strong enough. <laughs> right. I don't think, yeah, if you're in Congress, you shouldn't be, you know, being able to do that after. Because you've got, one, you've got intimate knowledge of, of different things. You've got those connections. You can push something that maybe you were previously supposed to be regulating. And... I, I think the people. Oh, are well, well, Andre is here. I'm sure he's got plenty of thoughts on this. What's, what's going on, Andre? Andre's hey. got plenty of thoughts on everything, <laughs> as always. No, but yeah, I, I was going to make a quick point about. Uh, I understand leaving Congress, let's say, to go into lobbying, the conflict that's right inherent there, and they do have rules. So, I think it's so, no, 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 no. So the thing is, this it was always proposed. I don't actually believe there are current rules uh, uh, on the books that prevent you and preclude you from becoming a lobbyist immediately from immediately? leaving office. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so so uh, presidents of both parties uh, have promised to do this. You know, famously, Trump did uh, said that there should be uh, either a five or 10 year moratorium to clean up the swamp. Right. But, you know, again, I feel like D.C. got a lot more swamp filled, uh, you know, during his tenure. Absolutely. OK, maybe a state rule. I. I I could have sworn I saw some kind of rule, but I didn't think it was very long. But my point, though, also was, let's say you were previously a lobbyist. It becomes trickier to say you can't run for office because, in theory, that's supposed to be up to the people to decide whether you should be voted in or not. And of course, the system doesn't work that cleanly, and that's a problem. But to well, make a law, becomes I, I actually don't think that that should be the case. I think that if you were previously a lobbyist, you can, you can, you know, uh, you can run for office, and you know, your opponents, by that logic, have the right to bring that up before the people and raise that as a central issue against you in the campaign. But nobody should be precluded based on their previous vocation from running for office. I don't give a fuck if you sold, you know what I mean? Like bundles of dope or whatever and stuff, or you were a lobbyist for Monsanto. Like, you know, you were a scumbag back in the day. You know, maybe you've reformed. Maybe you've become a better. That's what I mean. I mean, there's still going to be potential issues there, especially because our system isn't as clean as we want it to be. But it's still, in theory, up to the people to decide whom is elected. And so they should just know about it and make that choice. Right. In, in elections, yes. What I, with, with the Monsanto um, example I was talking about, basically, it was the former, he was a, a, a C-suite um, person at Monsanto and went and became the head guy at the FDA. Right. I don't think that should be allowed. So here's the thing, right? Um it, it shouldn't be allowed because people who nominate and then vote on these nominations or just, you know, straight up set up these people up, you know, they should be afraid of the kind of wrath and ire of the people by saying, hey, that person should not fit in that position, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Like they should be afraid. But at the same time, they're not. You know what I mean? I don't think that you should necessarily not allow somebody because there is a conflict based on their previous position. But I will say this, that, you know, you should be afraid to nominate somebody like Betsy DeVos for uh, uh, to, to head up the Department of Education, for example. You know what right. I mean? Like these are these are things that are antithetical to the things that you've done in the past. And you're now in a position where you're very blatantly there to destroy it or upend it in some way, right? Like, or at least stall it to such a degree that, you know, the entire enterprise becomes futile. Right. And in theory, what they would say is, you know, someone's appointed to run a certain agency or department. 
you don't like that, you, it's really up to the person who appointed them. And so if you don't like those decisions that they're making, the people they're putting in those spots, you could vote against them next time. That's kind of how the system, and it's supposed to work on paper, at least. I mean, you see that even in court cases where someone makes a decision political or you know, maybe, maybe it's a political appointee making a decision and you're arguing with it, you don't think it's equitable or it's fair or should even be legal. Oftentimes a judge will say, it's really a political question. And if you don't like it, vote for a new mayor next time or a new governor or whoever it is. In theory, it sounds good. But I think uh, in practice, right. some of those things can be a little bit more complicated. I mean, look, take, take, this, take this for for example, right? So for me, I thought that the thing that precluded Brett Kavanaugh from becoming a Supreme Court justice is his inability for any sort of bipartisanship or impartiality regarding uh, uh, judicial review. Right. It Sounds wasn't fair. it wasn't it wasn't the thing that that happened with Dr. Blasey Ford, who I very stridently believe. I, I definitely believe that that happened. But I, I do understand, you know what I mean? The, the conservative position in trying to defend him. But the problem is that he was part of this like gang of elves, as they were called, uh, who found all the dirt on, you know, supposed dirt, by the way. Right. Like we're not even talking about the things that have veracity The you know, uh, they never brought in the Juanita Broderick stuff. They didn't bring up a lot of the stuff, but they just found, you know, whitewater stuff. Oh, and, uh, you know, the the uh, 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 I forgot the, the name of the the longtime friend that, that that committed suicide. That was, you know, you're talking about the Clintons. though. He was Bill Clinton. Yeah, yeah. So he was right. he was the guy that was working under uh, uh, the recently deceased. Uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, 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 uh yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Ken Starr. Uh, and so, yeah, so he was finding all the information and stuff for that impeachment trial. And like, you know, I, I don't know. I guess you can also say that technically Ruth Bader Ginsburg worked on the, the Nixon impeachment in theory. Right. right. So like but at the same time, I don't know. I just thought that his just kind of vitriolic bile against anybody with a D in front of their name like that probably should shouldn't allow you to become somebody who's supposed to be impartial in a lot of these things. Uh, you know what I mean? I, with, I agree. With the station of the court, you know what I mean? I agree. I agree. Right. Well, I always say also that when it comes to voting for president, you really have to look at the Supreme court because, you know, presidents can leave office after four years or eight years at the most in theory. Right. But the Supreme court can last for generations. Their appointees could right. be on there for, 20 years or more, 30 years, 40 years. So that's really important. Some people overlook that and they think, oh, I'm, we, we want to shake things up with the other party. Let's, let's try something new. Let's just go in this direction. They don't realize that it's not a temporary office because right. of the Supreme Court. They could do lasting damage or have a lasting effect on the country. Yeah, absolutely. So we got we got Trump appointees that are going to be there for, you know, next 20, 30 years. So his influence is not going away, even if he does. Right. Yeah. So we want to talk about elections. We titled this video Election Day Preview, what issue matters most to you. So thank you to everyone for tuning in and commenting. I know we got crime already on a list and people have their own thoughts on this. We do need to mention the Eric Ulrich thing because honestly, as we were coming on here, as I was going live, I got about five or six text messages about it. <laughs> Look at the smile on Andre's face. And it's, and it's still going on. So yeah, I mean, it was... I'm only reporting what I know, you know, and it's probably what everyone else knows who's been looking at this. There's there was a probe. Apparently, there was a search warrant for his phone because of some kind of gambling investigation. And now the latest is that he said to turn himself in, I guess, to be arrested tomorrow as a result of whatever they found via this probe. 
right. So that's what I know. Uh, you know, I know nothing more than anyone else at this point, but it is breaking news. It is something I guess everyone's talking about locally. Like I said, my phone is blowing up over it. So there you go. I'm sure that's there's going to be more and more coming out the next couple of days, multiple articles and everything. Yeah, I mean, I did see a New York Times piece about it, but this was before the turning himself in part broke. This was just about the the probe of his phone, but they tied it to Eric Adams because he does currently serve as the commissioner of the Department of Buildings. And so they were saying that the mayor has a history, I guess, of appointing troubled people, kind of similar to what we were just talking about in, in some ways, right? The mayor's appointees and they're, they're criticizing him for the people that he's chosen to put in some of these jobs. Right. I'm sure I'm sure it's going to take, you know, a week before people start making uh, conspiracy theories out of this. And, uh, you know, Eric couldn't have done anything wrong, possibly and stuff. It's all progressive conspiracy against them. You know, a bunch of a cabal of Democrats trying to get a good man arrested. Yeah, that's kind of a we will see these days. But yeah, by the way, so I knew we were doing an election episode. Um uh, I don't know what you guys were uh, uh, going to talk about, but at any point, I do have a lot of interesting uh, recent polling for a couple of races that I've been looking at. And I kind of recently made my rounds of contributing, you know, my peddly little like 25 bucks to a couple of center races, um, you know, that that I care about and uh, congressional things. OK, yeah. So let's get into that. I do want to start off by talking about the governor's race here in New York. I know all three of us watched the debate between Governor Hochul and Lee Zeldin, so we can get into our thoughts on that. I also have new polling on that race as well. Okay. Now, I don't know if you guys saw, but there was a poll that came out. Well, apparently, this is what I was told, and a bunch, bunch of people was told. I'm not sure if there was actual reporting on this, but the word was that there was an internal poll that Kathy Hochul's campaign conducted that had her down by one point. But there is a new poll that I saw now from PIX11 showing Hogel 52%, Zeldin 44%, 3% undecided. And when the undecided voters were pressed to make a choice, Hogel's lead increased to 54% to 45%. So that's more promising for the governor. But honestly, still close, too close for comfort. you know. And it's at the point where it wouldn't be entirely surprising if either candidate won, which is not usually the case in New York. So, I mean, look, I'll say this. The the two most recent polls are from the Hill and Emerson, which is, you know, more or less a bipartisan poll. And then the Trafalgar group, uh, which is a more right-leaning poll. Uh, it's, you know what I mean? Some of the things that they own are like the Daily Wire, for example, right? Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, so the, the Trafalgar poll has them tied. The Hill-Emerson poll that just came out from the 28th through the 31st uh, has her up by nine, 54 That's to That's the poll that I mentioned. It's also the Pix 11 poll. Okay. So, yeah. So, uh, I mean, the, the overall average across the month, because I'm looking at uh, Real Clear Politics, is 49.8 to 45. So she's, you know, she's up by nearly 5%. And I will say this, looking at all the polling that I am going to share with you guys, that is some of the most hopeful polling that I have seen in a lot of these tight races. You said it's it that tight polling. It's, so, I mean, it's within the margin of error. Yeah, I'm saying, but I'm saying it's the most one of the most hopeful. And and I mean, look, I, I will 
put into account, right, that like it would be crazy for New York to, to have a Republican governor again. Having said that, look, you know, it's it is interesting. It's you know, I think you and I might talked about this, man. But like Lee Zeldin, there is this like angry George Costanza thing going on and stuff that that might appeal to a lot of voters like the dude is quick on his feet. He's he's feisty. He's a little angry and stuff about everything. There's a lot of people who also feel feisty and angry about things. And um, I'm sure that, you know, NASA and Suffolk are going to go kind of heavy and stuff for this guy. And, uh, you know, it's it's going to be. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, there are definitely a few concerns there. Number one, again, people like to talk about shaking things up. Maybe they're concerned about public safety and, and they should be. But if that's the way that they want to go, just because they think he's going to be tougher on crime for whatever that means, they may not be considering the other implications of that, like trying to get anything through the legislature. If you still have a Democratic legislature, we're trying to get these things done. Like I had some meetings this past week about some bills we might, we might want to write and introduce. With the Republican governor, that becomes a lot more complicated. And people need to start thinking about actually how government is set up and, and what the effects of some of these things are. I think sometimes people think of these decisions almost symbolically. Like, you know, hey, we're going to shake things up. We're going to do this. We're going to try this. We're going to go this way. Not really thinking about what can happen as a result with the implications. People, yeah. right. look, people don't look. think about it. People don't think about that. That's not in their purview. It's how, it's how the person sounds uh, sounds to them. They're not thinking about, you know, um, what you were just talking about there. And so, like, he, uh, you know, watched the debate. I mean, I think he's going to be more appealing to to a lot of people than how she came off. Um even though he was crazy, um, uh, but and didn't really speak on anything, it's how he spoke and what he delivered, and right. I think that's going to be much more uh, appealing. And and I think to me, it's kind of a problem that Democrats tend to have. Not that it's not that it's a problem that it's wrong. It's just that Democrats are, are more measured and uh, oftentimes, and like you just like the examples that you just said well there's there are these processes in place and this and this and that and people aren't, aren't thinking about that they're like oh that sounds good yeah i want that and so to to take that measured approach speaking to the people doesn't i don't think it translates all the time you know the thing is this i think that there's there's a difference right that like so take somebody like obama who's been making the rounds right uh, uh for all of these close races right and when you hear the man speak his tone is also very very measured his thoughts his you know uh, everything about it but he's also capable of going off the cuff and being very charismatic there is that cult of personality right. still retained that you really right. need to kind of win these seats and it's unfortunate right because i do think that kathy hogel probably is a policy wonk to a certain degree but during that debate uh, at least for the first, I would say at least third of it, all of her responses seemed like they were focus tested, like right. all of them were specifically like, hey, we just did a prep like an hour and a half ago and yep. stuff. This is exactly what you said. Now, repeat, repeat. Right. And, and like, like, like the point on, at the point on guns, she kept repeating, well, you can't address public safety unless you're going to talk about guns. But she didn't seem capable of getting off of that point either. And that's going to I think in, in that debate, I think that hurt her because even if the if they were on a different topic, she kept saying that it's like it, it's not applicable right now. Like yeah. he's talking about something else. Can you address that? Can you speak on right. to that? And it was just yeah, that was a little frustrating. And look across the board, across the board throughout the country and stuff, and a lot of uh, the the races that the there is a lot of money in on the Republican side, they've made it a point to to make uh, uh, as little debates as possible for their candidates, right? 
and out of a lot of them, like I watched the the Tim Ryan, you know, J.D. Vance debate in Ohio. I watched the, the Pennsylvania Senate debate. I watched the Florida Senate debate. Like I watched a lot of them. Right. Having said that, the one major winner out of these like small number of debates I saw really was Lee Zeldin because like he only needed to like hit a home run and during one game, really. And it, it seems like he had a decent at bat this this time around. Well, we're joined by Salvatore Lopizo. Sal, are you with us? So your video was on a second ago. Sal, yeah, he yeah, he's a Rockaway guy. I know he runs Yana. You're not alone. Does some great work with the veterans. And I know he's going to have some thoughts. Well, Sal, when you can get back to us, we'll jump in here. We'll definitely we'll get your thoughts on this election and the elections in general next week. All right. And, and look, I'm not saying that, 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 that Hoka was, was wrong. Like, um, you know, her, her points were, were, were right. They were well thought out. She was, you know, even tempered in, in delivering them. Um, it's just that it, it's a little, you know, uh, one, it's not exciting. Um, not that it should have to be, but unfortunately people are looking for that. You know, um, personally, I would think, you know, her approach has sounded better, but it's just not exciting. It doesn't doesn't sell well it's not flashy it doesn't feel like an appropriate response because people are fired up right now and so they want the candidate to sound fired up and i think she could have benefited from having more passion even if she was making those same points make them in a more passionate way in a way that makes you sound like you're just as fed up as the people are right and i think sometimes democrats tend to to talk like they're above it and so that can kind of sound a certain way to people listening you know well, um, it reminds me of the dukakis debate right when he was asked about um, the death penalty which i never personally like, and i was a little kid watching that i didn't think that was that bad of an answer but i understand it right i understand the psychology behind that why some people thought that that made him look weak what was the the answer i don't well he was against the death oh. penalty so they said what if it was your wife what if your wife wife was no, the no, no. they said they said he what if it was your murder, daughter, right? was it i thought it was they said daughter I think it was his wife. I think think it was his wife. What if she was raped and murdered? Would you still be against the death penalty? Which is kind of a gotcha question, right? They were trying to catch him on that. Um, But he held his ground and he said, yes, he said, I'm against the death penalty in all cases. But But no, no. But but the thing was, right, that this is a question that like has reverberated amongst debate prep for for Democrats for fucking like forever afterwards. Right. And it was the fact that he kind of stumbled. He gave a very wonkish and it was it was a dispassionate answer. That was the problem. Right. That that was a very dispassionate on policy answer. And what everybody said, listen, they say, I would want to kill this motherfucker with my own bare hands, but thank God we have laws that prevent from, you know, uh, us from doing that and me being the judge and da, 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 and, and jury and executioner of all these things. Right. Da, da, da. Right. Right. And, and, that's, and, and that's really my point, right? Like Kathy Hochul could have democratic policies and talk about all the work that she's doing and all, but she should sound more passionate in the way she delivers it. Even maybe before talking about the policy, talk about the emotion a little bit, try, try to relate to people before just right. speaking on dry policy. Right. Yeah, and I think that's uh, something that's important. And like um, Andre was talking about with, with Obama, you know, he has that personable uh, aura about him. He can make that that connection, you know? I mean, he, in the middle of his speeches, like he even takes take the time to, to address like an, uh, a heckler off the cuff and, and it's, it's a warm Oh, you, saw, you saw the fine stuff? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> 
but I, I think that's I think that's also I mean it's hilarious, but it's also you know an important thing, and it, it it makes people comfortable with you, and they're more willing to listen when you're speaking. Not only does he have good things to say, and he has a great delivery, but he's also got that personable nature to him where people um, can get addressed in that reference. You know, he caught that. Not you know, I'm sure he went home later. And he was feeling himself a little bit. Michelle was probably like, you know, just shut up. He's like, no, but did you hear her? She said I was fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. no, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And I mean, look, it, the most important thing, it makes you sound human, right? Which is what Mike's example is really about, right? That like yes. a human being can respond with a wonkish answer about their wife being potentially killed. Uh, you know, they, right. they want a human being to respond like, I love my wife. I would kill for her, you know, da 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 yeah, so, right. you know, I think that, look, I think a lot of Democratic candidates really need to figure that out. They need to figure out how to actually sound passionate about very real issues that are very dire uh, and a uh, very dire importance right now. You know what I mean? This is going right. to be one of the most important uh, uh, midterms in my generation uh, and in a lot of people's lifetimes. And I'm I'm unfortunately uh, uh, seeing uh a much smaller turnout that we saw in 2020 already right in terms of early right so Lixa in the chat says i've been out of the city and most lawns outside of new york city or for zeldin yeah i mean but that's what you see with the republican candidates they seem to want to bombard every place with signs but signs don't vote as bill clinton famously said it is concerning i agree like when i'm on the road and i see a ton of zeldins i haven't seen one kathy hochel sign but you know, obviously you can't. Yeah. She, she, she can get more votes than her sign proportion. But but it, but I mean, look, by by the same token, I see, uh, uh, you know, a, bun, a a van constantly rolling around the Rockways over here and stuff with the congressional candidate that's running here on, uh, on behalf of the GOP. I'm not trying to promote nobody and stuff, but I still think Greg Meeks is going to win and is going to win handily. And stuff. Oh, yeah. So, you know I actually I mean? questioned that before because I was. I see those in Rockaway. I was out in Ozone Park before. They're all over Ozone Park as well. I mean, they're really going hard with these signs and these banners. And I wonder what the purpose of that is, especially in a district that is so heavily Democratic. Talk about the congressional district. You know you're not going to win that as a Republican. What are you really trying to do? Is it a way to get Democrats to spend their resources? Maybe think, oh, we should put some money into this so they're not going to be spent in swing districts? I mean, throw, I mean, throw some money around. You know what I mean? Get your name out there. I mean, there are, you know, Republican friendly areas here in this congressional district. And so, you know, for, for whatever that is, you know, I don't know, man, the turn for future business, uh, you know, additional, you know, positions of power amongst various boards and things like that. Yeah. Listen, you know what I mean, there, um, we just did a, a race for a library board yesterday and uh, we had a, a, the turnout was crazy crazy man so so people really care about a lot of these smaller positions and you know what i mean you have an unsuccessful run as for governor and stuff you might become head of school board who knows uh yeah. or rather unsuccessful run for uh for congress and stuff you might you know yeah no so, i think a lot of people are tired of seeing all these signs and commercials as being bombarded with political messaging everywhere we turn i had selection season yeah so i wanted to look Quickly, and this is again, this is the PIX11 Emerson poll. But what I found interesting was the breakdown of people's top issues. And I think we're going to do a similar poll here, just ask people what their top issue is. But on this one, at least, 35% of New York voters said the economy was a top issue. 14% said threats to democracy. 13% said crime. 
and 11% said abortion access. So if you add the threats to democracy and abortion access, that's 25% of voters statewide, which bodes well for the Democrats, at least, at least that quarter of the electorate. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's right to democracy. It's just crazy that that's even a, a concern. Yeah. 300, 300 GOP congressional, senatorial, and gubernatorial candidates do not believe in the results of the 2020 election. Threat to democracy should be number one choice for every single person. Yeah, no, I'm just saying it's crazy that it's come to that, that that, that has to be something that is, is uh, you know, a real thing that we have to look at. Like, if there's one thing that we're supposed to believe in as a country, our our marketing materials has democracy written in bold letters on the top. Like, if there's one thing that we should we're supposed to believe in, it's supposed to be that. And for that to be something that everyone rightfully is concerned about is is very crazy. All right, so let's put the poll out there for the people and they can give us their thoughts. The poll question of the week is, when you go to vote this year, which of the following issues is most important to you? The economy, threats to democracy, crime, or abortion access? Got a, I am betting that a lot of people are gonna say crime. Yes, I agree, especially in these parts. It is what you hear the most. And you know, I would like to remind, last week. I would like to remind folks that the conservative candidate, especially recently and stuff, while they might sound strong uh, on the issue of crime, they always have the same resolution, right? To, uh, to, to every hammer, everything is a nail, right? And right. so unfortunately, they don't take into consideration any economic elements, you know what I mean? Inflation is high, crime rises. Right. You know, I mean, right. there, are, there are things that that could be done surrounding the issue of public safety that would make everybody safer. I'm not coming from this like weird progressive spin that, hey, you know, get rid of the prisons and the police and like the patriarchy and then we'll be fine in the utopia. No, 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 no. I'm talking about just generally like, listen. People make more money. There are better jobs available. We have more access to better jobs. These things also work to reduce crime, right? That's There's exactly the point that I made before you came on, Andre, when I was interviewed by the New York Times earlier. I said these issues don't occur in a vacuum. So even fighting for transportation, it isn't only about being able to get from point A to point B. Everything we're talking about is affected by that. South Queens is cut off from the rest of the city. And yes, that even trickles down to crime and public safety. It's about prosperity, right? It's about opportunity. It's about economic development. All of these things play in tandem. Yep. Yeah. So, Excuse me, guys. Hold on one second. For sure. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. It looks like in the in the chat, many people uh, are on the same thing. Crime seems to be the number one uh, point that um, everyone's sticking to. Right. But to Andre's point a second ago, we need candidates who are going to present plans, and the plan can't just be right. throw more money at it, throw more cops at it. That's a Band-Aid solution, and it's even dubious right. as to how much of a solution it even really is. You need to be thinking long-term. Yes, there needs to be an appropriate short-term response. Let's never discount that. But to solve the problem, to really have a long-term right. reduction of crime and an improval, improving public safety, you need long-term solutions like dealing with these economic factors, like dealing with mental health outcomes, like, yes, better transportation, better education, better services in the community. Now, I was talking to someone before who said that a lot of these areas – 
especially in South Queens, suffer from a lack of good quality after school programs and the kids have nothing to do. You know, they're out on the street causing trouble potentially at, at that point. And, you know, what if their moms and, and, and dads are working two or three jobs to try to put food on the table? And what if they're, they're commuting to work, you know, hours more than other people because of the transportation is so bad. And, you know, they're, they're just struggling. They're struggling more in this part of the city. And of course the kids are going to suffer from that. And, you know, then you say that there's not good education, no good after-school programs to boot. I mean, that's just a recipe for more crime and bad outcomes all around, right? Right. And, and you know what I mean? A lot of crimes and, and in particular violent crimes are being disproportionately committed by you know, younger and younger people and stuff. It's not, you know what I mean? A bunch of, you know, kids my age and stuff, 35 and stuff running around, like causing rockets and stuff. It's teenagers, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, and, and a lot of it is without things to do without, you know what I mean? Like, and you know what I mean? Their parents are struggling and stuff. A lot of people are struggling. And so that, that becomes a major issue. James yeah. in the chat says, speaking of transportation, took me two hours to get from 116th street in Rockaway to Grand Central Terminal today. Wow, that's crazy. that's crazy. I'm assuming you, he yeah. didn't take the ferry. I don't know. I probably not. Yeah. Lixos mentioned bail reform, said that's a big problem that Hochul didn't give a good response. So I actually, yeah, look, let's let's talk about bail reform real, real quick second. The thing is this. It seems like on the left, folks uh, uh, don't want to keep people locked up because of the conditions in prisons. Folks uh, on the right want to keep folks inside, regardless of the conditions inside of jails. Like, why are we not like ever talking about the conditions inside the jails themselves? Right. Like, right. you know what I mean? Just in, in terms of why is it if you are waiting to be processed and literally like, let's say you're 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 facing a violent felony. Right. In which case you should be locked up awaiting trial. Why is it a going to take a, a, at least a year for your for your uh, uh, case to be on the books. And then two, why are you, if you're not found guilty as of then, you're literally waiting for your case to be heard, why should you be encumbered in a place of just immense violence, degradation, and constant humiliation? So that's, it's a legit question. Is why, and, and, and like, yo, Rikers in particular, this is where we we situate folks while they're still waiting uh, uh, to, to, to for their case to be heard. Yo, the, the correctional officers union at no point, like the heads keep going to prison. I don't understand. Like, do we ever like address the conditions inside jail cells ever? And like the people that are supposed to be in charge there, like ever? Do we no, no, either close the shit or like just, you know, send them there. Like, what the fuck are y'all talking about? What is right. this? Can we like ever like address the idea that people could either be you know, uh, 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 mistakenly, uh, 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 mistakenly put there and said, while they're waiting for their case to be decided and stuff, why should they be facing like right. horrendous, horrendous? Right. And and we're violating people's right to a speedy trial, but just by holding them there for so long. I mean, that, that's right. bad enough in itself. And then you're saying that when right. they're- Right, but I mean, if the conditions and in the conditions right. there the conditions, violate- that's, not, that's what I'm saying, right? It's bad enough that they're there for a long time, but now you're saying you can keep them there for a long time under these unacceptable you conditions. Mean? Yeah, right. man. I'm like, what are y'all talking about, man? That's crazy. But, That's but I think lot. getting back to the issue of bail reform, though, how should the governor have answered that question or, or addressed that topic in a more effective way? Honestly, I think she was, should have been passionate about human rights and brought a, brought about uh, uh, examples of other, first off, of, of uh, other states that do it quite well. Uh, New Jersey is a good system. I think uh, they, didn't they just have a 
I think they actually literally did just have a a, a whole segment on this on uh, uh, on what's it called on uh, who's that British guy on, on HBO man on his show. yeah he just had a whole thing on bail reform and stuff he brought up uh, New Jersey and stuff in the way that you don't uh, you literally look at the crime uh, on previous previous incarcerations whether the person has returned to court for previous court dates and stuff it's all like a system there's an algorithm there and it like takes away anything else. And literally, like, it's just it's a, it's a system and it, you know, more or less works. Now, I'm not saying it's perfect, but I'm saying that there are ways to kind of explain things if you're an expert at it, which you should be, given that it's a hot button topic here. And she'd be able to talk about it passionately as well. Right. Like yeah. there should be a way to address people's concern about safety and about people who are potentially violent being released for no reason if they're likely to commit violent acts again. But at the same time, she could also be able to talk about the fact that a lot of times that doesn't happen. A lot of times these things are blown out of proportion by the New York Post. And, you know, I mean, that's a problem too. every issue. Every issue that you see, quite honestly, gets blamed on bail reform right now, even if it has nothing to do with it. I mean, even crimes that were bail reform was not applicable to, even if it's not even a crime necessarily, anything that happens in the world. If you look at the comment section on social media, you can see bill reform. The first, the the former NYPD commissioner, man, went on Fox News, brought up a case and stuff of a guy committing some violent, violent things and stuff. He's like, oh, my God, he was out on bail doing this. He wasn't on bail. He wasn't out on bail. Nothing. None of that was like the case. Right. Examples of people committing violent crimes and they're making a hypothetical thing of like, what if they were on bail? Yeah. Look at what bail reform does. Like, no, this is not the case. And he even when when addressing this, he was like, no, there has not been an actual statistical thing that that, uh, you know, associated with it, where it's like you actually have folks on bail com- recommitting and stuff crimes while out on bail. Right. Like that's- well, right. And that's the thing. Also, when people talk about they want bail, like they want to make sure that we have bail in every case. Well, bail really means the person is able to get out if they can afford it, at least. But I think people overlook that sometimes and they think that bail means the person is going to be held in jail indefinitely when that's not really the purpose of bail. Correct. And then it becomes a, a class issue, an socioeconomic issue in terms of who can afford it and who can't. Not only that, look, there are valid, you know what I mean, uh, uh, conversations to be had about, you know, maybe more progressive district attorneys throughout the country and stuff in terms of their leniency for some things like, you know what I mean, petty theft or whatever, whatever, right? Like that. I, I can understand that. And, you know, I would probably argue against that point, the idea that like, you know what I mean? It starts from like a rotten core and then kind of grows and whatever and stuff. I probably would argue against these time of type of correlations and stuff. But having said that, I can see that point being made uh, in regards to bail reform. Let's just please remember, like boys and girls, that like if you commit a violent felony, you are not getting bail in New York State. You are not. This is not changed. It does not happen. If you are a uh, 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 if you are, you know, a cited for for a uh, uh, murder one and stuff, you will not be getting bail like it's not a thing. This is, just, you know, it does not happen. Right. With that said, I do think that there is something to be said for judges having more discretion, especially in the case of someone who 
is dangerous or really is going to be a flight risk. That's really the underlying purpose here. If we don't I'll think we're up for a towel. I, I, don't, I don't trust judges, man, to, to have that kind of discretion. I'll be honest with you. I like I I genuinely think that it should be codified. And no, we need better judges in that case. I mean, no, I, no, no. I'm saying, yeah, no, no, we definitely need better judges. We just talked about the Supreme Court. But the point being <laughs> is that, hey, guys, like, why don't we actually codify a system that works for you regardless of your uh, uh, ethnic background, socioeconomic background, and everything else, right? Like, I don't want rich people getting off just because they're fucking rich. I don't want, like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, somebody who's a, a poor fucking rapist getting off because, you know, the judge thinks that, oh, poor guy and stuff, he probably, you know what I mean? Like, just missed his mom and stuff. Like, no, man, like, let's let's codify. This is also why people need to pay attention to local elections, including the judge. I mean, it doesn't sound sexy or exciting at all, right? A judge election. But people need to look at that kind of stuff and say that, you know, this judge is, is not doing the right thing. They're letting people out who shouldn't be out there. You know, they're too lenient. They're too hard, whatever it is. And and judge them for that. But people barely. Yeah, that at the same time. But I think uh, at the same time, what Andre is, ta- um, is, is correct, that there should be some kind of a, a system. So regardless of what judge it. is there, you know, because you're going to you don't know what kind of judge you're going to get. But if we got a system that they have to right. work within. No, I agree with that. There should be guidelines. Like you have mandatory minimums and maximums and there's different guidelines that need to be followed. But at the same time, I don't want to handcuff judges to the point where they don't have any discretion and it's basically a computer deciding it because, you know, these cases do need to be really evaluated on a case-by-case basis. At least you have to look at all the different variables at play. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. But um, yeah, I mean, I think, look, we just need solutions to these issues and, and they have to be long-term solutions. And I'm not hearing a whole lot of that right now. And I, I'm guessing this applies not just to the governor's race, but to a lot of these races that we're seeing. Like I watched the debate in Pennsylvania for the Senate, which was kind of hard to watch. Yeah. Um, I watched a little bit of the Florida gubernatorial debate and maybe a couple of others, but. Was that the 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 Senate way was- is that the Herschel Walker? No, that's Georgia. Georgia. That's Georgia. Oh, okay. Pennsylvania is Dr. Oz against John Fetterman. Yeah. Oh, right, right, now, right. Now, yeah. Andre, I don't know if you have more recent polling. The most recent polling I saw on that one did have Fetterman above, but it still was prior to that debate. The only post-debate poll I saw there just had voters, I think, by a plurality saying they didn't think Fetterman was fit to serve office given his condition at the debate, but it wasn't a head-to-head who you voting for one. So I don't know if there's any actual Oz versus Fetterman data post-debate that's out there. Uh, I will tell you shortly. Hold on one second. Dixon, we're missing some of the stuff in the chat. My Facebook is going crazy. It's not updating. I'm seeing, yeah, I'm gonna have to go on. What's that. happening in the chat? Um, there, there's, you know, there's activity in the chat, but I wasn't able to to see anything going on because for some reason my um, my Facebook's not updated. Well, so. real quick, quick while Andre looks up the Pennsylvania yeah, no, I have poll. It. I have okay, it. I was just gonna make the point that you know in New York, as tight as that race is, a problem we're gonna have potentially is it's going to affect a lot of down ballot races too, and you can see a lot of upsets for assembly and senate seats throughout the state. Any concerns there, Andre? I'm sorry, say that question one more time. That as close as the governor's race is in New York, let's say even if Hochul does win, a concern for Democrats, I think, is that it is going to have an effect on down ballot races across the state. And it could lead to incumbents or just Democratic candidates in the Assembly and the Senate being upset. 
Um, I don't I don't think that we're going to have tremendous upsets, but I would say that if Lee Zeldin does better than we than folks project, uh, and even if Hogel wins by a couple of percentage points, I do think that a couple of the toss up races are going to go Republican. Because I heard, and again, not to be like, you know, this alarmist or anything, but when the word was going around that Hochul was down by one point via her internal poll, I also heard <laughs> that some state legislator incumbents who usually win their races by 30 points were neck and neck with their Republican challengers. Well, look, I mean, we also saw this, uh, we saw this in uh, the the uh, council races last year, uh, you know what I mean? There was a, there was a major pickup of Republican seats. Uh, I mean, let's, let's be real. I mean, the, the, you know what I mean? The city council is still heavily democratic. The, the thing is though, you know what I mean? We just have had such a small amount of Republican seats that now it's, you know, it's more than doubled in the, in the last race. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like it, and a lot of it has to do where I think that the GOP in the state has given up on a lot of races. And I think that there's been a weird influx of money into a lot of uh, uh, areas where they previously didn't think that they had a shot. They took, they took another look and they somehow started appealing to a lot of other voters. Uh, and so, you know, uh, you know, there are some districts, for example, uh, you know, throughout the city and the state and stuff where, you know, you have a decent amount of conservative voters, moderate voters and progressive voters. And, you know, if somebody's maybe too progressive, Republicans start thinking they have a shot. You know what I mean? And right. so uh, it that's what it has seemed to be like. Um, you know, I think there was a progressive wave between 2016 and 2018. And now the term has kind of become diluted to such an extent that, you know, if you get up off your couch, you say you're into Che Guevara politics and stuff, you'll be welcomed with open arms by some progressive organization. When, you know, back in my day and stuff, when I used to work for working families, for example, and stuff, you know, they had a little bit more discretion and they, they would actually choose candidates that, you know, wouldn't necessarily just be on their uh, same ideological wavelength, but folks that they thought would actually win and would be decent, uh, would, would have, you know, be decent public servants. Be good fits for their districts too. Well, no, but also just like know what 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 to do as the public servant of a particular job and what have you, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, it seems like that's uh, kind of out the window these days, more and more. Yeah, yeah. no, it's it, things have become a lot more tribal and stuff. And uh, you know, I brought up this library board race and stuff. Conservatives all went in lockstep. You know what I mean? Four candidates that they didn't have. Um, you know, anything to say, and they didn't have any background experience for any of the jobs that they were running for and stuff. With uh, with the Democratic Party and stuff, we will, we seem to continue to infight to such a degree that, you know, if you don't pass a certain test, either, you know, one way or another, right? Like, for some people and stuff, you know, for some moderates and stuff, they won't go out for a really a, a candidate they seem as too progressive and stuff. There are some Fetterman candidates, right? That is why he's talking about fracking now and stuff. You know what I mean? They were like, oh, yeah. he's too progressive. That was you know a bad I mean? answer. 
that guy, Bernie. that guy, that guy was with Bernie in 2016. Like, ah, oh, he's too progressive right. for Pennsylvania. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so what I'm saying is, right? Like, you might, you know, there are there are moderate voters that might that might have issues and stuff. But then there's uh, meaning progressive voters that might have issues, and then the odds, uh, 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 or rather moderate voters that would have issues, and then the other side is progressive voters. You know, if a candidate is too moderate and stuff. Now he said he talked about fracking and stuff. There are bench there is going to be a you know a couple of progressives that are going to be sitting home now. But it was also the hypocrisy of it and just the inability to articulate an answer as to why he changed his position on that. I thought he was going down the right path in his answer, and he just didn't get there. He basically conceded the point that he was against. I, was I, I honestly I don't think that he had the the, the actual physical uh, health capacity to execute his answer in the way that he would normally. Yeah. I've I've been watching John Fetterman for a long time and stuff. You know what I mean? When I organized for Bernie in 2016 and stuff, I've I've watched him talking about Bernie. You know what I mean? Like he's he's a very interesting guy. Don't get me wrong. And, and you know, per, perhaps over time his positions have shifted. I'm I'm still fairly anti-fracking. I think it's a fascinating technology, but I think that we have plenty of things, other things nowadays that are ruining the earth. We probably shouldn't add to that. You know what it reminds uh, me of, Andre? Real quick, it reminds me of Kathy Hogel when she was in Congress being what rated an a by the nra and now she's running statewide she has to change that fetterman i think is doing the same thing with fracking in pennsylvania yeah well yeah, yeah. Point, yeah i mean the fracking point, zeldin brought that zeldin brought that up in his in their fracking? debate like, oh, the, oh, the, gun, the gun issue yeah the fracking yeah. fracking zeldin brought up fracking yeah because oh, he was talking about we need to unlock that that um, natural gas and stuff. He was talking about that was something he wants to do in in when he if he gets elected. Okay. But he wants to frack up state. Wants <laughs> to frack up state. No, I mean he, he, he entirely possible. You heard it here first on the Mike Scala yeah. podcast, right? <laughs> you know I mean? Lisa, well, it was in the debate. It was in the debate. Well, no, uh, in the pencil in the Pennsylvania debate, Jay, that was a major issue because. That right. I mean, was against it before and now he's for it and so they asked him about his position changing and it seemed like initially he was saying that he is still against taking money from their lobby and that's why he said he was against it but he's not against it in principle i thought that's the distinction he was making like you could do it but i'm not going to take money from them but he didn't really flesh that answer out he just kind of left it as yeah my position is i'm for it even though they showed that he was against it before correct right yeah I'm with Andre on it. I think they should stop it. So anyway, Andre, you did find recent polling or is there polling posted? Yes. Yes. So uh, I'm just going to give you kind of all of it. And again, now, you know, even polling is skewed because you'll have Republican pollsters and you have Democratic pollsters. So uh, as of the most recent poll uh, was done by the morning call, uh, they are in an even tie. Uh, the poll done by Insider Advantage has Oz up by three. The New York Times and Siena poll has Fetterman up by five. The overall average is Fetterman up by 1.2. Okay. I don't know about that one, Andre. I'll be honest with you. So, um, I mean, look, I, I would think it'd be interesting to, for us to kind of, you know, to make our predictions. Um, I honestly, I would predict, man, I don't even know. Uh, I want to say Fetterman still wins, but I would not be surprised if Oz wins that race. I think that, I think that this is the one that's going to go 
for like a whole extra day while they count, you know, absentee ballots. I was going to say the same thing. I think that's going to be close, maybe even too close to call on election night. And it's going to go. I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's going to get called on election night. I don't think the Pennsylvania Senate debate is going to get called on election night. And I do think that maybe in the early morning of like, you know, early morning, late morning of Wednesday, they'll announce that that Fetterman won by a slight, by like a toe, maybe. And Oz is challenging the results and calling for recounts and the fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, here's the thing, man. I think that, I think that the Republicans are going to do some interesting things. I could also see Oz losing and then uh, Ron Johnson also losing uh, in Wisconsin to Mandela Barnes and that being an upset on the left. Mm. I see that happening. I also see there being a potential upset in Ohio where J.D. Vance is up by four points over uh, uh, Tim Ryan, who I who I like. Uh, and I actually, I actually think that in that race, the Ohio race, you're, you're going to hear it from me. I actually think that Ryan is going to pull out, and I think he's going to, I think that he's going to be JD Vance, regardless wow. of the poll. So you don't see this as a big red wave nationally. You think that there are? I actually, I actually think. No, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you, man. I actually think that we're going to be maybe a seat or two above where we were in the Senate, but I think we're going to lose the House. I definitely think Democrats lose the House. Yeah. The Senate, I don't know. I don't know. It's tough. Like, And maybe I'm just being pessimistic at this point, but when it's a close race right now, my hopes are not high. I think it, it may end up tilting Republican, but maybe that's just because I don't expect a lot of these races to be that close in the first place. But first off, I do think that sadly Herschel Walker is going to win in Georgia. I do believe that that's be the case. And, and that's so idiotic. How? This dude is barely I mean, cognizant, cognizant of anything. Could be another thing to blame on Kanye. He just made an endorsement. Kanye is another Jesus Christ. That's a whole nother full discussion there. That dude's up. No, no, but what I'm saying is he did just endorse Herschel Walker, though, for for Senate. Yeah. But and so here's the thing is that that does carry weight. Even as crazy as Kanye is, he has a lot of supporters. Even in everything that he's saying, there are a lot of supporters. And some some are dismissing how he's saying it, but they're like, yeah, there's still truth of what he's saying. So you or you people just don't understand what he's talking about. So it can carry some weight. Yeah, no, no, dude. I mean, I saw I saw a bunch of those Nazis in California. I'm sure that, you know, there are plenty of things that the plenty of people that are currently really digging what Kanye has to say. Oh, there, uh, there are definitely plenty of people. Yeah. 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 No, 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 but I am. I was just talking about the fact that there were actual, like, you know, skinheads and all these other motherfuckers, like, literally showing the fact that, you know what I mean? There were Kanye fans now. In wow. Yeah, there's there's a whole whole thing. But yeah, man, didn't so somebody it's, did, it's a crazy time. Didn't somebody, I think it was, it might have been New York. Um, there was a, a clip on the internet. Somebody walked into a bar um, wearing a Nazi uniform as their Halloween costume. Um, I think it was in New York and they, you know, everyone's reaction was, uh, you know, appropriate. And of course the person got kicked out, but I think they just did it to be either trolling or I don't know what it was, but yeah. See, that's, that's terrible. Having said that though, if Mel Brooks did it, it right. would be very different. Right. And that's yeah. a producer's reference, by the way, to, to other folks. Yeah. 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 No, Blazing Saddles, right? Is that the end of Blazing Saddles? Yeah, that was the end of Blazing Saddles. So, well, crazy times. Uh, I don't know. So, these are your predictions, Andre. What about the New York race? Did you make a prediction on that one? 
I think Hogel wins. Uh, I think Ryan wins in Ohio. I think that Rubio wins in Florida. I think that, uh, unfortunately, so I think that Rubio wins in Florida. I think that uh, uh, DeSantis wins in Florida. I think that uh. I think that Kemp is going to keep his seat. I think Stacey's going to lose again. I think uh. that, I think that uh, uh, what's his name? I think that Beto is going to lose a third time for governor. Um, so of Texas, yeah, yeah, man. I'm not I'm not here like to give you guys like hope. <laughs> but I do think that I do think that Mandela Barnes is going to beat uh, Ron Johnson. I think that, uh, yeah, man. And I think honestly, uh, Fetterman is going to squeak this out. And I think that despite the polling, I think Ryan is going to beat uh, JD Vance. Uh, I think but- that one is your most optimistic pick. The Pennsylvania one. JD Vance, by the way, just just so we just so we're clear and stuff, the the DNC fucked up again and stuff. Is not throwing enough money in that race. JD Vance is only up by a margin of error. He's only up by four in that fucking race, uh, and he's a little bitch. So uh, just so we're clear, he hey, he can. Right. Have, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Has anybody has anybody ever terms. watched anybody watched JD Vance speak and not thought of that? Like even Donald Trump called him a little bitch. Like let's stop. Let's stop. I mean, he calls everybody that though. Everybody that disagrees. Yeah, with that's him. not the bar yeah, that's... measuring people against. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm not that that no like... in, in in that one, Andre. I do foresee, and we talked about earlier, this um, alleged psychic hitting me up, saying tile work, whatever that means. But if I'm going to use my psychic abilities. I can see a very tight race in Pennsylvania to the point where we, we're doing recounts and all these different things. I may need even need, need to get out there and, and join the festivities like I did in Florida in 2018. Yeah. I mean, what do you guys think about the, the other races? What do you guys think about Ohio, Wisconsin, you know, uh, Florida? I mean, we do have some interesting races. Honestly, and... Georgia DeSantis should disappear. <laughs> I know. I do think that there, that he will win in Florida. I, I, basically, the same picks you made. I think Beto's going to lose. I think Abrams, unfortunately, will lose again. That's how I see it playing out. Wisconsin, I'm not as optimistic as you there either. Um, New York, even I'm holding my breath. I, you know, if, if you're forcing me to pick, I think maybe Hochul gets it by a very narrow margin, but I wouldn't bet a million dollars on that either. Get out to vote, Democrats, please. Come out That's and please, guys, please, 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 please. That's please. the problem. They, they, they got to get out there and, and, and show up. They got to do, you know, Republicans are Listen, showing up. They're out in the street talking. Yeah, even if you don't particularly like the D uh, on, you know what I mean? Like that, that you're seeing on the ballot, right? Like, dude, like, come on, guys. It's just, just, you know. Also, I'll vote. be real. This needs to be a learning experience, not just for Democrats. But for all candidates and all voters and everyone who's involved in our political system, our democratic system, we need candidates with plans and we need voters responsive to those plans, rewarding plans, you know, actual plans that are going to work with their votes. And we need to get away from these sound bites and the rhetoric and the scare tactics. We acknowledge that these are major issues. I think on both sides now, we can acknowledge public safety is a very important issue. But how do we address it? And let's just not fall for the person who just wants to scare you or, you know, on either side, the person who just doesn't have any real plan behind them. But what are you going to do? Think, and, and, and I think the, the, the candidates need to be able to, to counter that. those people that are talking in those scare tactics, to be able to be able to speak to that 
because those are very those scare tactics and those you know those flash talking points can be very coercive because they're exciting they they speak to something that's that's really at the top of people's minds whether there's no any substance behind them or not they they address it for, for some people and so yeah. to be able to talk through that is is what candidates are going to have to because you know it's coming you know they're going to be like oh yeah we need to be tough on crime so we got to lock everybody up and uh right but but jay, and throw more cops at it and everyone's like oh throw more cops yay lock the bad people up yay like you have to be able to counter that because you know it's coming but jay hogel knew it was coming too and i don't think she was well prepared she i mean she she, she should have been and she had an answer rehearsed but she needed to she do better yeah no she wasn't she she's <laughs> her delivery and and the way she spoke to me sounded very much like joe biden speaking like her cadence her her wording it all sounded very much like joe biden speaking but she had even less personality in my opinion than that because yeah. well, joe joe has has some personality he will break that that rigid character sometimes you know you know okay ah oh, that's hogwash like there's a little bit of personal Marky. Yeah, there's a little bit of that in there. I don't think she even had that. She was too measured. It reminded right. me. Of, it reminded me of Hillary. Honestly, it reminded me of Hillary, Hillary. Is another one. Hillary doesn't have that personality. Hillary's to me. Hillary has an entitled mindset. I deserve this position because one, I'm Hillary. Two, I, I've been here before. You, you owe this to me. That was my issue with Hillary. With Hoko, I didn't really get that. It just, she just didn't have I just, much Honestly, and I've mentioned this even before when we were in the primary season, I don't see that fire come from her. And I want to see that from her. I don't see the fire. I don't know why she is there other than she happened to be in the right place at the right time and got the seat. What does she want to do? What is her legacy? What does she envision what's, her legacy? Like, what, what's what's what, an interesting what's question? For? What's an interesting question, by the way? Let's say that Cuomo had retired and not gone out in a scandal making her, the you know, if she actually had to run an election, do you think she would win a primary? I don't. I don't think that as the deputy- Those candidates though? Well, well, no, 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 no. As deputy governor, just running in a primary and stuff, there would be a lot more people running and stuff if, if she wasn't already currently an incumbent. Yeah. And it would be a much different race. My the question is, is who? I don't, I don't think, I don't, I don't think she. I don't think she squeaks by in a in a uh, in a in a competitive primary. You're right. No, you're right. You know why? You know why? Because if if that didn't play out the way it did, I bet you Tish James would have won that primary. For sure. For sure. And and to be fair, I also don't know what what Cuomo's people how they kind of figured out a way to sit her down either, because I'm sure there was some of that as well. Well, I think also what it was is those unions just automatically went to Hochul's side. Tish didn't see that coming. She thought she was going to get that labor support because she always got it. She didn't see all the unions lining up behind Hogel the way they did. And I don't know what was going on really behind the scenes there, but that did happen. But here's a prediction I'll make. If somehow Lee Zeldin becomes governor in four years, Andrew Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo oh. will run against him. Uh, do you think it's going to be Cuomo-Tish as a primary? Potentially. But he's gonna I run. Think, I think I think he's gonna run. He's gonna, at least gonna enter the primary. But no, well, yeah, dude. Of course. I mean, I already know some of the back, you know, behind the scenes stuff and stuff. He wanted in this primary too and stuff. Oh, he sure. just, you know, he just didn't feel comfortable enough. Right. Um, but I think though, if you have a Republican governor as the incumbent, that's going to make him feel as comfortable as he needs to be to jump in. 
Well, and, and also a lot of the, the folks that would rally behind him saying, hey, look, at look at what happens. You got a good man out of office for some da 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 for some name Pamby da da. And they're going to do it. They're going to say, hey, he was tough and that's what you need and blah, 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 blah. And that's going to be a problem because I don't really see anybody stopping him with his war chest uh, unless there's a viable and credible and more or less squeaky clean but passionate and charismatic candidate that somehow rises in four years. Yeah, good luck. Hey, I mean, sounds like uh, it sounds like you're talking about a ticket of, uh, you know, West Walker. I mean, just, just saying Kanye West, Herschel Walker sounds like a ticket that you're talking about there. You know, it's interesting to me that uh, that sounds less terrifying somehow still than uh, <laughs> the, the, than the plan Trump green ticket in 2024. <laughs> Because, look, I, I was never one of those guys that was like, yo, 2016, if Trump wins, I'm leaving the country. But like, yo, in 2024, if Trump and, and, and Green win, I need to make a ton more money, man, in the next two years because I need to I need to be Audi for a little bit. Uh, <laughs> well, we're about out of time, Andre, but we like to give our guests the last word. So it's perfect for you. We call it the bottom line. Whatever you want to say, whatever you want to leave our <laughs> listeners and our viewers with, we thank you all for tuning in, as always. Andre Bystroff, campaign consultant, political consultant. What is the bottom line? The bottom line is that Timid here is going to have to find me a nice one-bedroom apartment in Japan in 2024. Uh, let me know any areas uh, uh, that would like a, a drunken Bulgarian around. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be there and stuff if, if Trump ends up winning in 2024. But look, the last word is just go out and vote, guys. Go out and vote, please, 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 please. And if you are planning to vote Republican, remember that your election is on Wednesday. <laughs> oh, man. Your election's on Wednesday? That's yeah, we did there. But no, in all seriousness, guys, please do go out and vote. And as I mentioned at the top here, early voting has begun in New York. And I put on my Facebook page, The Times, and, and there's also a link to check your early voting site because it may have changed from last time. Like, for example, last time I was at resorts, my site was no longer at resorts. So, you know, please check and go. If you don't do the early voting, election day is Tuesday. It's a week from today. So please do that. Thank you for tuning in. Jay, you'd like to tell everyone where they can find us, right? It's Nuance with Mike Scholar and Jay Carter. What are the channels? Uh, yeah, as as Mike said, Nuance with Mike Scholar and Jay Carter, you can go to YouTube to find the videos. And then uh, wherever you get your podcasts, the audio will be there. Uh, so subscribe to that. It automatically gets pushed to your devices that you listen to podcasts on. If you want to, of course, participate in the discussion, leave comments. YouTube is the place. Drop comments down there. So um, yeah, hit us up. Let us know what you're feeling. Sounds good. I guess next week we'll be back as Legend Day comes to a close. We'll see what happens, guys. Thank you all. Bye-bye.